0: The first generation of e-commerce, the one we're seeing in the Western world, were created by male nerds that never liked shopping.
1: Okay, (laughs) so
0: if you go into the Amazon experience today and equivalent, it is exactly that.
2: Are you looking for bite-sized news, trends, and tips from the brightest minds in the online marketplace and platform economy space? then you're listening to the right podcast. Every episode, we'll invite top marketplace experts to share their knowledge and insights on how to build, run, and grow successful online platforms. Here's your host, online marketplace veteran and digital community enthusiast, Sigrid Zython.
3: Welcome to Marketplace Insights, the podcast where Otis and I discuss what's going on in the marketplace industry right now.
1: Yes, hi everyone. Uh, Thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, Looking forward to having a vibrant discussion with you today, Sigrid.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so what we're going to do is like uh, quickly run through some news. The first one is going to be about the fact that whenever we kind of work with our with our clients we also gathering trends uh, and trying to share that both with our clients internally of course uh, with our teams to make them better but every month we try to figure out what is interesting and what's happening uh, right now and how are the content moderation challenges becoming or in evolving, so to speak. And what we looked at in, in February, what we've seen as new, was first and foremost scam categories. We saw that uh, the most affected categories in scam for February were, maybe not surprising, uh, cell phones and accessories, and games and consoles with 38% and uh, 25% of the total scam volumes. I think, Otis, you agree, probably agree with me here, but that's not really surprising, considering that we have a new well two new consoles coming out and we also started seeing rumors of the new switch coming out but do you think do you think this is something that we'll see continue or is there something else that will pop up in the coming months
1: yeah, no, for sure, I, I agree. I mean, if even if, if we go back um, just a couple of months, so we just got past the Christmas period, right? So there were yeah. all these there's everything being purchased, so and and that's usually the 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 time for the new cell phones, the new gaming consoles, and so on. So um, that's that's not surprising. It's it's sort of kind of in line with the the time. Um, and I think if you look at uh, some of the news in terms of companies that are heading into gaming. So there's some interesting, uh, you know, ideas for some companies who are looking to move into more of a gaming space. Even look at uh, Oracle trying to, say, acquire TikTok, for, for example. So, so there are different ideas. Gaming is big, um, and usually scammers, they go where there's opportunity. So for sure, I think it's something that's gonna continue.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I agree, and I mean it's it's really put on its um, on its head here because we we did have launch of the two new console that doesn't happen every year, and there's been um, a lack uh, of of products uh, and high demand. So of course that's something scammers will always jump on. Uh, but I think going forward, like tech is a is an easy target. It's it's not too expensive, but it's still expensive not enough, enough to be worth it for scammers uh, and it's an area where uh, I would say you have you probably have a group of very diverse people uh, trying to to buy as well you have uh, the the less tech savvy people uh, and then you, who's maybe buying as a suppressant and then you have the more tech savvy people who might not see the scams but might be uh, in a situation where they are they don't have that much money so they might even still at that point fall for scams but for sure i think as well um considering that there's rumors of the nintendo switch and there we have a huge group of uh, of people who will be will be looking to buy it we will see more of uh, those type of scams coming up as well so that's something to be worried about maybe or at least pay attention to
1: yes and, and i think that's a, actually a very interesting point you made about the the folks that are trying to buy that aren't let's say usually um, operating in that space so if you're buying a gift and you're not really a techie and you're not really into gaming or you know uh, even if you're an, a, a, a parent or a grandparent and you're buying a new device for 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 a child you know you're you're gonna be one of those sort of vulnerable folks who are not you know really active in that space on an ongoing basis to be able to spot some of those times very quickly so no that that's a really good point to make.
3: And it's actually a very nice bridge to another piece of uh, of news or in- industry insights I wanted to discuss, um, because we we did, um, up to the lead-up to Valentine's Day, we did a, an audit of six popular marketplaces in the UK, uh, and one of the things we looked at there were consoles to see what kind of the scam levels were there. And uh, unsurprisingly, uh, that was also... Um, high numbers we found of, of uh, Consoles offered uh, that we could see were probably fraudulent uh, and my thought there is that some of the people who are out there Buying a, a console as a Valentine's gift may or may not be super techie themselves Because they're buying for their partner
1: Yeah, they, they probably don't even know what's the latest version sometimes, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and so it's it's very easy to to sort of pull one over on them. Um, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's it's really as we say, th- there's some peak periods where you know you you gotta be extra vigilant um, in in in, uh, in your online activity. So uh, that's that's uh, that's true
3: yeah i mean it's especially in in the areas where you were talking about um, gift buying because there you are probably uh, well some people will obviously be buying within the sphere of interest that they have themselves for a partner where they're sharing a lot of common uh, interest but um for for many it it will probably be about moving outside of your of your comfort zone and and buying in a, in an area where you may not have that much um knowledge uh, and then you you're kind of double vulnerable right because one you're trying to find a gift so you may uh, for someone that uh, so it's a very important thing it will be kind of uh, the time a time sensitive purchase as well and uh, many people shop presents kind of last minute uh, and then you're also buying in a in an interest sphere where you may not uh, know about exactly as you're saying what is the latest version how is it supposed to look uh how can i make sure that that the package is actually accurate uh, for for what i'm trying to get uh, and the the price how do i know that the price is reasonable uh, in the sense that not too cheap because then it's definitely a, a scam right
1: oh for sure for sure i mean it, it, you know when we when we look at this space and of course we we can look at it from uh, an array of angles because of the world we're in or at least uh, the, the the business we're operating in But as someone trying to purchase um, a new device or, you know, some new tech, um, I I think the the level of knowledge is is minimal in, in, in a lot of cases, but the level of enthusiasm is through the roof. Yes. You know, if, if if you go to to buy a, a new device, you're you're already very skeptical because of what you know, uh, what what we uh, kind of uh, go through on a day to day basis from from our side of the defense. But when you you know, you, you're gonna be very careful. You're gonna you know pay attention to a lot of different things, like you listed the price and and the versions and things like that. Um, but someone in the heat of the moment, uh, for sure, um, they're, they're certainly much more vulnerable and. Um, are likely to, to fall into this trap and of course it's it's um it's an easy one to fall into especially around those times of the year for sure
3: yeah and and unfortunately we see this every year uh, when um so every year around september um normally apple will at least uh we've seen that in the in the past couple of years they will release their new iPhone version, right? Uh, in the in the autumn at some point, uh, and yeah. in the lead up to that, we see scammers directly jumping out even before it's announced. They will uh, jump out and they will have pre-orders up for for the new iPhone. Uh, so it's it's about being vigilant and it's about knowing what um, what to look for. So, uh, but just to go back to uh, the Valentine's Day audit we did, uh, one other thing uh, we saw was, unfortunately, puppy scams were abundant, and it's not really surprising, uh, considering that uh, over the past year, the, the, um, the purchase of, uh, of dogs and, and probably other pets as well has gone through the roof due to the pandemic, and I was just looking actually yesterday on Google Trends and it's it's you should actually do this yourself if you're sitting at a computer just put in buy puppy at google trends and to see the jump that happened in march 2020 it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing it's a pretty good kind of picture of of um of the pandemic really <laughs> and so yeah that's a, that's another one where you should probably uh pay extra attention right now and um, is is uh, the pet
1: category i think sometimes we often we don't recognize where you know the the impact even something like the the pandemic can have you know just wanting to have some company especially um here in sweden where you know quite a lot of uh, the population uh, live in single-family homes so you can imagine uh, i'd love to see it by a sort of a country breakdown to see which <laughs> which countries are looking for more company <laughs> to have that. Topic, you know so but no that that's that's an interesting t- statistic
3: yeah, I mean, in general, I love Google Trends. Uh, I did a a, a Trends um, blog that you can find, actually really interesting, you can find on, on our website with uh, eight marketplace uh, experts that predicted what will happen. Uh, and, and for that article, I did a quick um, Google Trends search for um, facial masks, and, and that's another one of those, like, you just see the peak, uh, which it kind of sums up 2020 in in one picture, really. Um, so it, very interesting. Uh, just go have a look at that as well.
1: Yeah, I think actually just a last note on that. You know, you know, would wouldn't this be a place a scammer may may even utilize Google Trends to see where to target? You know, it's it, it's interesting if you look at it from that aspect. You know, yeah, they they, they can use these trends to 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 target. Um, sort of hot hot uh, topics or hot markets,
3: yeah.
1: That's, That's so a really so.
3: good point, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think some of them will, will be utilizing tools like that. So just moving on to a little bit of a different um, topic, but uh, equally <laughs> uh, relevant at the moment. Um, a couple of uh, of days ago, uh, last week I think it was, uh, we created a, a blog post uh, about uh, how moderation isn't censorship, uh, because there's been a lot of discussion back and forth um, in the U.S. in particular, but across the globe in general over the last couple of years, around how moderation can be seen as uh, censorship. uh, And our uh, standpoint, of course, is that it's not. Uh, It's a way to uh, positively direct the conversation on your platform um, to, to kind of nurture a community and to keep the talking points uh, to the interests of the community. So if you have a car site, you don't want a lot of cat pictures to suddenly pop up, because that's not um, conductive to the conversation that people who visit a car buying site uh, wants to experience, right? So what we did was we wrote this up uh, and then uh, we, we sent it out actually uh, as an ad uh, to spread the word and to have more people's eyes on it. And and, and what we saw uh, was a huge engagement from people very, very passionate about and whether or not they agree with our statement. Um, and it's, it was a lot of pushback as well. A lot of people were very uh, upset about uh, know, our kind of proposal here. It was a really interesting uh, exercise uh, to see how passionate people are about this topic, but also really uh, important for for companies to know that when they put content moderation uh, into place, they need to be very careful about how they present it and how they implement it, so that they don't push their users away, but actually uh, get their users to understand. That this is for their for their good for to make it a better community, right? So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Otis.
1: Yes, uh, you know, I, I I had a look as well at, at at the blog post, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, when I when I think about the sort of this this battle between censorship and moderation, um, it's really in my eyes, it's 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 a moral issue versus uh, maybe a privacy issue, right? Um. Yeah you know, from the moral side of things, uh, in terms of censorship, you're looking, you're you're appealing to personal values, right? Is this okay for a child to see? Is this okay for uh, an individual to see? Is is it somewhat demeaning if it's abusive? Um, I think in some cases, um, that's really one area where where the, the struggle to separate is this okay and then when you look on the privacy side or the accuracy side based on your example like sort of the cats versus the cars the, mm. the interesting part about that example is the R and the T are very close to each other on the keyboard so mm. <laughs> very easy for people to put cats or cars in the wrong category right mm. and, so, from that standpoint, you you want to have moderation because you want it to be accurate and, and then if it's inaccurate, we, we don't know what other words might be, might pop up, <laughs> especially if it's uh, translated into another language or things like that. so there there's both you know how much is enough, is, is too much? you know for a particular country a particular set of values and then how much is is too little because we want things to be accurate but we also want a level of privacy um i think it's a really interesting battle to or or actually a conflict if you want to look at it that way it was a good discussion and sort of an exchange of of views um and you can see how polarizing it is um because they're very related but um yeah it's definitely sensitive It's very sensitive, and that's
3: why you also, as a company, have to be smart about how you implement it. And the the fact is, as well, that at some point, companies uh, might not have a choice, right? Because we're seeing a lot of legislation now from from states going in and saying, no, you have to actually moderate. Uh, And the funny, or not funny, but the interesting part about it is that on one side, we have this huge group of people who are like, no, uh, content moderation is censorship and we want free speech. On the other hand, we have a group and and the thing is i 'm not sure that these two groups are not necessarily the same at some points as well it 's very fluctuating because we also have a group of people who are like yeah uh, social media should be responsible for uh, cyberbullying. Social media should be responsible for um, all of these really tough things like uh, suicides and uh, gore and violence and inappropriate and stuff like that, and our kids should be safe when they are uh, they are out in the digital spaces and stuff so we have that and and i think what's happening is that if you put it up and say no of course i want to have free speech because i would never do anything untowards but then on the other hand you have uh, you have this whole aspect of the others and the others do bad stuff and we should definitely make sure that 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 part is somehow uh, restricted or at least monitored and um, so i think I think uh, when when it comes to content moderation, it's not that you shouldn't moderate because you should, and you probably will have to uh, in most countries in in the not too far future, at least at some level. Uh, and and your users also want it, right? Uh, but it's about how you present it and how you implement it uh, in a smart way. So it's it's not affecting their ability to actually have the conversation they want on your platform, but uh, ensuring that it's actually helping shape that conversation towards what's what you want on your platform
1: definitely i you know i i think you 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 said it earlier on in in a lot of cases the the persons or the the personas they're the same um on both sides of the argument it could be even the fact that someone says i don't want to be moderated and the response is you shouldn't be moderated but we should moderate because you are here, because Mm -hmm. you're the one that's not going to sort of cross the line. But we want to make sure that the experience you have is not one where someone else crosses the line against you. So yes, moderation, uh, it can, let's say, infringe on some perceived rights, right? Some perceived ability to say what I want whenever I want. And we can argue that yes, that's that's a, a right that we'd all like to have. But we all like to have the right to not be abused. So in, in essence, <laughs> um, we would like to moderate to ensure that both you can say as you like without abusing someone. This
3: is a very fascinating discussion that I think I could discuss for, for hours, but we have to wrap it up because we have a guest waiting. Um, but just to finalize this, I think, one of the things that people are concerned about as well is who, who is deciding what is uh, okay and what is not okay. Uh, and I think that as a platform, the way you can kind of circumvent that, or not circumvent it, but make it um, a positive thing for people, is to be very clear on your values and what, what they can expect from their visit to your digital space. Uh, and if they understand that, and if you're very, very clear in that value proposition and what your company and digital platform is about, then that's what they will expect as well, and they will not be disappointed that they don't see cats instead of cars, right? Uh, so <laughs> I think you you can cover you can cover a lot of ground with that approach. Um, thank you so much, Otis. Uh, this was very interesting. I would love to have two hours more to discuss. Uh, we have a lot more trends that we have summed up uh, from February. We have a blog post up on besedo.com, so if you want more kind of insights into what we're seeing, the trends we're seeing, then you can head there, we're going to have that on a monthly basis, so uh, so you can uh, get kind of a roundup of the, the moderation trends and challenges that we are seeing globally. Now it's time for something I'm super excited about. I have Tom Siong in the studio, and we're gonna talk about microtrends from China and how that can be applied to online marketplaces. So I'm really looking forward to, to that discussion. Thank you, Otis. Thank you. I've been super, super excited about this episode because I am joined by Tom Xiong. We have been talking for a couple of months now about doing this podcast together. And then finally, we we managed to get time to do it. Tom is... uh, the co-founder of two fantastic podcasts, which I definitely recommend listening to. Digitale Draken, kind of a Scandinavian tech podcast about global innovation. And then "Digitally China, focused on the Chinese technology sector, both of which are fantastic. You also worked as an advisor for several larger tech companies, where you put your expertise of product development and tech to good use. And there's, I think, a thousand other things to say about you. I will let you take over and just give a brief introduction about why you are you're great at this particular topic.
0: Well, that's uh, up for people, other people, and listeners to decide. Maybe, <laughs> but I think. Uh, I think the reason why I am at least here and, and we're having a conversation about this topic is because over the last few years uh, I've been running the, uh, the podcasts about the Chinese technology sector, but at the same time we've been also doing some quite a lot of advisory and consulting type of projects for mostly larger companies regarding digital strategy and and uh, china type of uh, trends and uh, at the same time as well I've been running my own startup here in Shanghai in China so i think that's why we're here because we're both interested in basically the same topic the future of internet and e-commerce and you know etc
3: exactly and then also i think it's very you're a very interesting person because you have both a leg in kind of the western world uh, you 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 born in in uh, in sweden and then mm. you have this whole life in in shanghai as well so you kind of merge those two uh, those two sides together in a very interesting i find way
0: mm. yeah Happy so
3: to hear. <laughs> so uh so when we first started talking we were actually talking about um kind of technologies that you see in china and how the the internet in china is is like or the use of internet in China is is a lot more innovative, uh, at least in some aspects than what we see uh, in kind of the more in the Western world. Um, But how those trends also are moving from China and into the Western world slowly, and um, we're starting to see some emergence of that. And that's really what I wanted to bring you on because when we talk about that uh, in general, it's often about the whole kind of uh, e-commerce sector However, we at Basedo we, we, we are kind of more narrowly, we, we also work with e-commerce, but very narrowly we work with online marketplaces. Uh, and I think that online marketplaces uh, could really utilize a lot of the, the trends that um, e-commerce uh, sites are jumping on. And especially looking at China and seeing what's going on there could, could take some of these things and be, be quick to adopt them uh, instead of what I feel sometimes they are lacking a little bit behind. And mm. so that's what we want to, to talk about. So I think like first it would be really great if you could kind of give us kind of some micro learnings and all the kind of <laughs> overview of the, of the e-commerce trends in China right now, and then yeah. you can deep dive, dive into a couple of those
0: yeah i think i mean i think we can just start also with talking a little bit about why we're talking about china as a topic and why we're looking at learnings from china right Mm -hmm. i mean historically china has been very famous especially the technology sector um not only like internet technology but overall technology sectors has been very famous for copy pasting right so uh we've all seen those weird photos of these weird ripoffs of the Adidas shirts or, you know, whatever <laughs> that could be. Right. Um, but I think what a lot of people have missed out on is that over the last uh, years, uh, all this copy pasting have You know, progressed into the next level. Um, and, and, And the basis of that has been huge GDP development. We're talking about over a billion people consuming stuff, of course, economy lifts, of course, companies get more money, of course, they get motivated to do way more you know innovation by themselves and I think the result we're seeing of that right now is that especially in the technology or internet technology sector is that we're seeing within a few areas e-commerce one of them that China has actually stopped copying many years ago and actually been starting to innovating and actually now our world Leading and with China, I mean, it's China's a country, right? So it's not the entire country, but a speci- specifically a few technology companies in China that have been able to become world-leading and way more, you know, advanced than Amazon, for an example.
3: Mm, yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually interesting because if you saw looked at the tech sector in in, uh, in China and in Asia mm-hmm. overall, it, you have seen um you've seen this innovation in gaming already many many years ago but now it's moving into kind of all of the other tech um, yeah. sectors as well so i'm super excited to uh, to talk about that and mm. i agree with you uh, when people get more money then they start having time to actually innovate as well so we will probably see even more as as china um, economy grows yeah. even further
0: definitely definitely that, that, that's for sure. Uh, and I mean, like, if we talk about the micro stuff and, and the things happening, I think uh, on, on the extreme macro level, uh, the e-commerce penetration is high and mature in China. We're talking about just Alibaba got around seven eight 800 million active users, which means that you've covered a quite substantial part of the population. I mean, there are about 1.3 billion people in China, but that includes kids and old people and, you know, <laughs> even people that aren't legally allowed to even either use a service or, or, or whatnot. So 700 million is quite a lot. And um, uh, what we've seen, of course, is that, you know, it started off, of, like I mentioned before, being a ripoff from Western e-commerce, and then now it's, been progressing to the next level so I would say like there are two big very big happenings happen right now and very big reasons why it's been progressing that much so number one is that the entire society or Or all the consumers are extremely digitalized, which means way more and more efficient digital payment options, enabling e-commerce in a totally different way, i.e. higher conversions and better profitability for the e-commerce companies. So that's one thing. And the second thing, obviously, is around the, the deep access to supply chain. I mean... We know that China is the factory of the world, but the Chinese companies with access to all the factories servicing Mm -hmm. their own market with no import export with no, you know, stuff like that, obviously, that has meant that the marketplaces in China have had an excess um, supply enabling the demand to catch up right so these two things uh, in like combined has enabled e-commerce to go from almost nothing like l- less than 10 years ago to extremely high penetration and now we're seeing the next level of it and and the next level actually being that we're seeing e-commerce moving very fast from a search-based e-commerce into discovery-based e-commerce
3: I, th- I think that's, um, that's interesting to see where, where it's moving and how fast it has moved in China. And um, just for us who are not <laughs> based there, is, is, um, is the access to e-commerce mainly uh, mobile based or is it mainly desktop based?
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting question because I think when the internet economy of China actually really, really exploded was during the time of smartphones. So it was never a question about whether people should use old shitty desktop computers or new (laughs) brand new like smartphones, right? So we saw that very, very early stage that m-commerce became the dominant thing almost immediately combined again with um, mobile payment solutions that enabled you to actually use these services and actually pay for products in a very, very easy way. So I would say that China is almost only mobile. Um, of course, I mean, right now I'm using a computer to talk to you. And when I work and do my Excel spreadsheets, I, I use a computer. But the rest of time I'm using, uh, I, the rest of time I'm definitely using a mobile. And, and you can see that in the numbers. I mean, if we look at entertainment, digital entertainment, i.e. people watching videos or, or short videos or, you know, whatever, playing games, that's even much higher than e-commerce. It's about, about 900 million to a billion people using that. And that's in majority or almost only mobile. And the reason why I know that is because most of the largest entertainment options, i.e. Douyin and show, a lot of these video apps only exist as apps. For a mobile yeah. phone so it's impossible <laughs> to use them on the desktop computer you know
3: no, but that's interesting because not to derail the conversation too too much and too far away from kind of your area of expertise but it's the same revolution we're seeing in africa right so a lot of the learnings that you can take from china could be directly or almost directly applied to someone who wants to operate in in africa where it's also mainly uh, mobile based so i think uh, that's also something to think about but but um uh, let, let's. Uh, I just kind of, kind of want to go back to what you said because it's moving from a search-based uh, d- uh, to a discovery-based mm-hmm. um, uh, e-commerce shopping experience, uh, and I, I think most people listening in will probably know what that means. But maybe you could just briefly describe what the difference is there.
0: Yeah, I think uh, one interesting anecdote or one one way to tell this story that maybe makes people relate much more is that. um I heard it from, from someone at a conference, and the way they explained it was basically the first generation of e-commerce, the one we're seeing in the Western world, were created by male nerds that never liked shopping. Okay, <laughs> so if you go into the Amazon experience today and equivalent, it is exactly that. So you go in with a search box. So the entire old world of e-commerce, including Amazon is designed around one simple experience. The same thing as Google is designed around, which is get in, get out as fast as you can. You are supposed to be mission oriented or goal oriented, find your thing, pay for it and get out because the shopping experience is not fun. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it depends not only on gender but on interest but but if we like look around right is that a lot of people that don't like shopping think like that a lot of people enjoying walking the retail stores do not think like that no one just you know runs into an H&M store buys a t-shirt and runs out as fast <laughs> as they can right it's my dad experience. would do that <laughs> exactly well I am the same that's why I shouldn't start an e-commerce company (laughs) but it's also
3: it's also what is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as well right because you you're you're creating this experience to be fast and and quick and nothing else right Mm. but then it doesn't become engaging because you're not designing it to become engaging so it does become boring so you do want to get it over with as fast as possible so it it, it kind of it just escalates right it becomes more and more boring and more and more efficient
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But there's another way, a nicer way to look at it as well, which is that based on the technologies and the internet speed that existed many, many years ago, the only thing internet could compete on was speed and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So uh, many, many years ago, it wasn't possible to create this beautiful website or mobile app, right? Um, and give you a compelling experience that would actually compete with the nice physical world of the retail space. so I, the only thing they could actually compete on was efficient search, find something you want, don't need to leave your apartment, get it home. that's it yeah uh so 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 there is actually a reason why things has happened in in this kind of you know uh, according to this storyline, right? So, but what we're seeing now, and that's FY, that's why I also um, always have thought this whole re- internet or e-commerce is going to kill retail. That thing has been extremely overrated because the e-commerce experience is, is dramatically different versus the retail experience. It's a, it's two different things, um, and sure, maybe your dad or me aren't using retail anymore to <laughs> quickly buy our white t-shirt. But honestly, that has always been a pretty low percentage of the retail sales. Yeah. Uh, but so so basically that happened, right? In the Western world, we're still seeing Amazon being huge. You're using search-based e-commerce a lot. But uh, what we've seen in China after this search-based e-commerce became Uh, got very very high penetration and got maturity is the next phase and the next phase is exactly you know what we're guessing it to be you know we are social creatures but we're social we have a fun experience around topics it could be clothes it could be electronics it could be anything and around that we are buying stuff together exactly as when we walk a retail store with our friends and that's what we're seeing now so from a like macro perspective we're increasing the size of the cake right so we're not competing with anything new and and on a like micro perspective what this means is that me as a company that do that type of discovery based shopping much better i capture you as an user <laughs> Before you realize you need to go to Amazon and search for something, which means in many instances, I capture you before you know you need Amazon, which mm-hmm. for me is an opportunity to find you because after you've gone to Amazon, they have the most awesome product search in the world, then uh, you know I can't win you over
3: <laughs> no it's true yeah, no, but it's uh, it's it's really uh, it's really interesting and and then my next question obviously becomes. Okay, so we we are into this discovery-based um, e-shopping uh, experience, mm-hmm. um, but but how how does that then apply to because e-commerce and marketplaces and and even dating sites I mean they are all kind of operating in the same space but they are mm-hmm. obviously a little bit of a different use case for each of them. Um, so how could you kind of take that discovery-based and apply it to a marketplace?
0: Yeah, I I think it's like it's so much about product philosophy and DNA. So so, so, so we can start with the early things uh, and easy things, right? So if we look at sites like Pinterest and Instagram, I mean, they are discovery-based digital services. For You're sure. there because you love a topic and you love to consume stuff, you know? And even today, a lot of people on Instagram actually browse around a lot of content to say, oh, that's a really nice dress, you know? So yeah. if there would be a buy button there, if there would be a, diff- a way to buy it, and if if it would be easy enough for you as a consumer, then you would probably buy it before you even knew you wanted a new dress, right?
3: Yeah, I think actually Pinterest experimented with a buy button, or at least they they talked about it at some exactly. point. No?
0: Yeah. And, and and this means this has been going on for a really long time. So 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 like the chinese tech companies didn't come up with anything new but what chinese comp- tech companies did is that they managed to actually solve this because when pinterest tried it many years ago when instagrams tried it etc cetera, etc cetera, it just haven't worked out from a financial perspective conversions weren't high enough they couldn't get users to actually buy stuff um, users will get inspired and then maybe a month later walk into a store or search on amazon and maybe buy a a new dress, but uh, Pinterest wouldn't wasn't able to get that conversion in a way, right? So uh, and, and the trigger, the, 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 there were multiple triggers for why the Chinese tech companies managed to solve these problems. Number one is in the mobile ecosystem. It's slightly easier. And secondly, the most important part of this is new efficient ways to pay online, because when you are discovery shopping, when you're shopping based on emotions and not pragmatic needs, uh, you don't have time to take out your credit card because <laughs> that's just stupid. You know, you just got a feeling, you're like, this is beautiful, I want it. Then you need to be able to tap on it one time, and it should be arriving very very soon. You know. And I think that's one of the key differences, uh, that when you're pragmatic and looking for stuff, I like I literally need a new new dress. I need it because I need to go to a party tomorrow. I need a new dress. Then you're OK with the currently really bad UX of Western e- e- e-commerce, except for mm. Amazon, which is you need to get your credit card out. Uh, and in China, thanks to the rise of mobile payments such as Alipay and, and WeChat Pay, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, in the mobile ecosystem uh, with, you know, I would say the personalization that mobile gives, like with the face ID and, and you, know, you know, whatever that could be, right, uh, that enabled actually this type of new consumption and new e-commerce to actually rise up
3: yeah and make it as easy as possible that's kind of been the mantra for for years right but mm-hmm. um But it seems that they they have solved something by incorporating the easy-to-pay also option because I know it from myself. If I go to a website and then I have to put it into the shopping cart and then I have to click the shopping cart and then I have to click click the button there and then I have to fill out all of my details. And by that time, I have forgotten what it is I'm actually buying. (laughs) and
0: I just can't be bothered anymore. But you you can compare it to when you walk in the street, right? You walk past the store, you see these beautiful... A sweater, right? And you might enter the store and say, "Listen, I want this because it's beautiful." And they were like, "Oh, it's out of stock. Can you wait two weeks. Come back in two weeks." Then never, right? Yeah. But if you really need a new sweater, you would tell them, "You know, sure, I'll come back in two weeks," and you would actually come back in two weeks. Yeah. So that's the difference between those two consumption behaviors.
3: For sure. No, but it's, 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 it's fascinating. And um, I'm, I know from talking to people within the marketplace industry that they are really focusing on making everything easier for the, for the user as well. So I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of learnings that they can take from that. When we were talking about this, we were talking a little bit about, um, about live streaming and mm-hmm. how that kind of changed the internet usage in China. And I, I feel we kind of touched on it, but maybe you want to add a little bit more to why it has been so impactful.
0: Yeah, I think actually live streaming is one of the best examples of this co- so-called discovery-based shopping. Uh, and it it is exactly that. So if we compare it to the old school QVC in the Western world that we had, the TV shops, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, we actually had this format before. And, and before, this was also discovery-based shopping because at that time we had no internet. So there was this guy on tv telling you that this this set of knives is exactly what you'd have because they're from japan you know japanese people really know how to make knives etc 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 and and at that moment of time in our history the only reason why you you would call it discovery-based shopping is because your lack of access to information because of no internet right today we have all the access we want. So now what we're seeing with live streaming and live shopping is that it is um, foundationally the same thing. Uh, it is entertainment uh, and shopping. So it is not just someone standing there and just showing off a bunch of knives it is someone actually educating you about the products someone educate and, and someone putting up a show so 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 you're sitting there you can join of multiple reasons you can join because you like this brand they're talking about you can join because you like knives you know and, and you like that topic or you, you like kitchen as a topic or you could just join because you like the host and you're sitting there and it's fun and they're inviting different guests and they're talking to different people and then in the middle of it, they would say, "Hey, listen, you know, last night when I was super hungry, you know, I actually discovered this new new snack brand. I've never heard about it before, but you know, here it is, the product." And then, and then suddenly you have a freaking buy button there, and <laughs> and, and and the main difference between this modern live streaming and live shopping versus the old world QVC number 1 obviously is, is that the format changed slightly because it's way more entertaining today than before because the the viewer has higher requirements today than before but but the main difference here is actually the integration of the buy button before you had to take up your phone call someone you know and place an order now one tap done yeah. So obviously the conversion increases, and therefore the profitability uh, or revenue per user, whatever you want to call it, that increases substantially.
3: Yeah, and, and I've actually seen live shopping uh, pop up now here in Sweden as well, which was mm-hmm. at first I was very confused. <laughs> there was yeah. I was looking at two women uh, putting on clothes uh, from a clothes store, and uh, I was the, the chat was the chat was going crazy like they were talking mm. and they were chatting with each other and with the um, and with the, the the hosts who were trying on these different clothes and they were asking mm. questions about how to utilize it and i i sat there and first i was like just professionally interested but you, f- you feel drawn into the whole community aspect of it as well and suddenly you're part of this group of people who are looking at close together instead Mm. of, you know, and I I can imagine actually, you know, now doing the pandemic with social distancing and all of that and lockdowns, etc, that it has exploded. I I don't have any uh, numbers, maybe you do, but I can imagine that it has exploded because now this is the way we can actually go out and shop together, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like China is the number one market uh, in the world right now when it comes to live shopping and, and a lot of the trends we're seeing in the Western world that exploded thanks to the pandemic, you know, they are inspired by everything that happened here. And, and in China, we're talking about a market that's worth right now around, or last year, I mean, last year, 2020, around 120, 130 billion US dollars, which is uh, quite enough, like from a GMV <laughs> perspective, is very high because put it in relationship to amazon their their total gmv is around 500 million uh, billion us dollars so we're talking about something that's you know substantially big right yeah. and and we're seeing some of this live streaming selling goods for you know hundreds of millions of dollars each year so the volumes are extremely high and uh, the behavior is also kind of maturing. Uh, I think 2020, I saw some number around 400 million people were using live shopping in China, uh, which then means that it's about 50% of all the e-commerce consumers in China. Um, That's impressive. Yeah, and 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 the main reason for this is because the formats have exploded, but they are. It's more like a modern living room type of thing, you know. Mm. The, a lot of the large live streamers or brands doing this they stream for four or five hours a day
2: yeah. and
0: you jump in you jump out a lot of people are sitting there alone by themselves you know uh, eating dinner and watching this and you feel part of a community or on your way back home from you know work and you're on the subway or whatnot you know and yeah. most people don't tune in because they've decided today i'm gonna buy stuff it's just that it's like a new modern f- format where you're talking about stuff that might be interesting for you and suddenly they, they just mention this sweater or this snacks brand or this whatever and you're like oh shit you know i didn't even know that existed but you know why not i'll try it out and it might be fun, and they seem to enjoy it, so I'll do it as well.
3: It's it's like a, a curious combination of influences and normal broadcast uh, commercials, and uh, and then community at the same time. So, so <laughs> like a three headed uh, beast, but in a positive sense for for getting the the word out.
0: Yeah, but if we actually think about this, it's replicating the real life scenarios very much because mm. very often when you uh, meet with friends or people you know or colleagues like like when you're having coffee with colleagues at least, you know, you're talking about stuff you consume. Either, you know, oh, I should buy that trip pre-pandemic, of course, or I just <laughs> went to this place, I tried it out, you should really try it out as well. Or, you know, I just found this new coffee brand I'm trying whatever that could be. But most of the conversations are about consumption-based stuff. This is how the modern society works. You know, think what, whatever you want about it, but that's just how it works. So, mm. so these live streaming sessions is exactly that, but with an integrated buy button. That's the mm. only difference.
3: That's very smart. So just so I understand, because the live shopping that I uh, watched um, here in, in Sweden, at least, has been very... Here we have a brand, and now we're going to show you five different outfits mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or our pot and pan set or it has been very much like we are this brand and we're going to hold, hold this session but what i'm kind of hearing from you is it's a bit more organic in uh, in china uh, in the sense that it's it's more of we are these people and we're going to sit here and talk and then some part of the conversation will be about something that you can buy and then there will be a buy button. But the kind of the main thing is just we have these people sitting and talking. Is, is that correct or is, does it differ a bit depending on?
0: Yeah, I I would say it's the other way around. It It okay. is like brands or people are hosting sessions that are live shopping, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, um, listen, I love fashion. I'm going to talk about fashion for four freaking hours per day you know <laughs> yeah. and um it, it's just that it's not like super direct at all the entire four hours i'm not sitting there giving showing you new things all the time and trying to sell you i'm actually talking about these things mm-hmm. you know i'm talking about how i think about when i change change or select an outfit what you know i to a chat someone else asked about colors and i was like you know i think red goes really well with xyz i think mm. you know uh, in the autumn i usually want to do this you know wh- when the weather is boring and dark i usually want something more colorful
3: it, it's about interacting with the with chat right so it's not it that, that's where it's it's setting itself apart i guess from the old a TV commercials or TV shop because they couldn't uh, engage with your audience and you had to kind of pretend but here you can actually engage with your audience so it becomes a communication back and forth rather than just a one-way communication channel.
0: Yeah exactly so I think the interesting thing with live shopping is that it's triggering a bunch of uh, human behaviors that makes you want to buy okay so number one uh, is that people actually want to see the real thing. So if you look at most of the live shopping shows, they aren't super overly produced. Um, and it is the same if you go into retail, so like, I mean, sure you want the environment to be nice, but you want to see the real product. You don't want to, them to show you a flat photoshopped photo. And you know, like that's literally exactly not what I'm going to get when, I, when <laughs> I order, you know? I promise you, it's not going to look this beautiful because I, I can see it. So so that's one part of it. And, and I think with the Instagram and filters and everything, you know, I think you're seeing that in TikTok now, one of the reasons why it's so popular now is because it's showcasing the real world and real videos and real people. So that's one thing. And then the second thing, with live shopping with the comments and with the social and with the host interacting with you writing is that you're showcasing of other people that actually want this product so you're not you don't need to sell it you just need to show that other people are also here wanting to buy this product and then it sells itself yeah so you be, so and and it's that normal like we are all following behaviors. None of us are coming up with anything new. If my friend does that, I'm going to do the same thing, period.
3: Yeah, even if they jump off a cliff, we're going to follow.
0: Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly.
3: no, but uh, so I think this is super interesting and I can definitely see how, um, how marketplaces can use Short video and and live video, but then live streaming uh, live shopping it becomes a little bit problematic right because the whole idea behind most marketplaces, at least uh, the ones that focus on private users is that they they are not they are not uh, the ones who can that, who has the actual product so the the marketplace themselves cannot at least mm. on live shopping. Um, events. So, what do you have any like thoughts on how they could implement this and still utilize this this trend? Uh,
0: yes and no. I mean, like I've seen use cases, uh, you know, for companies doing this. For example, um, there is there is this really big clothing marketplace in in China, uh, second hand clothes. Uh, what I'm talking about here that actually are using live streaming and live shopping as a huge sales channel. And of course it adds on some type of complexity because obviously, you know, they need to make sure they have products into their office when, and then they live stream. But it is also a way to build engagement and create interest about certain verticals or certain categories to, to, to enable people to search a little bit more or you know discover a little bit more so so that's one way uh, and we, we, you can see them doing uh, and you know especially i think you know when it comes to uh, when i've seen uh, secondhand stuff is that in many instances they are leveraging it also as a way to showcase you know listen our marketplace and our platform have products that you know i dare to show off which means it's not shit you know <laughs> you're not you're not gonna get ripped off or what whatever so 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 you build a connection and a trust with the consumer and sure you're showcasing 0.01 of your percent of your entire inventory because you know but but still it like it sends the right signal uh i would say i would say that's one thing and and I think that's actually what live streaming enables. Uh, and then maybe maybe it's not always live shopping because you can't have the buy button because someone else is is selling this product, right? Um, so so that's one thing. And then of course for higher ticket items, then then it's you know it makes sense even more than obviously. So so we don't even you know need to cover that because it's so it's so apparent why that would make sense.
3: Yeah. When I was first uh, introduced to the concept of of live shopping, I was Mm -hmm. trying to find out kind of ideas on how marketplaces could implement this. And the first thing I was thinking was kind of uh, a Twitch experience. So Twitch has uh, usually been used by gamers, but they have now moved into people sitting and showing off. I saw someone building a a, um, a gingerbread model here during Christmas or people sitting and uh, producing Artworks while people watch and I was just thinking if marketplaces somehow enabled live streaming on their platforms Then they could push people who were live with their with things that they want to sell <laughs> To the top so people would always be able to click in and see someone who's sitting and showcasing their The items that they want to sell the main problem. I see with this is um, I know that it's a huge issue for Marketplaces is to even get people to fill out proper details. So <laughs> I don't know how many people would actually be willing to, to sit down and do an entire live stream with the items that they want to sell. But again, as you said, it probably depends a little bit on the, on the ticket price for the item as well. So if you're selling a car, maybe you would be willing to take a, uh, go pro and go out and like look around in your in your car and do a video where you answer people's questions at the same time Whereas if you're selling uh, a children's book for ten uh, ten krona one euro, then maybe you don't really care enough um, But I think it could be a, a fun experiment as well to see if if people would pick up on it and be willing to go in and actually live stream their own as an individual their own kind of uh, uh, products
0: yeah, of course, exactly. And, and, and you know, I, at that point we just come to, to the, the the most like the most common question, which is what do I need to invest as a user in order to get something back, right? And 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 it's pretty straightforward. But but I think based on the live streaming, and the, like another trend happened before live streaming here in China, which is that we saw that a lot of product pages and product descriptions moved over from uh, flat photos to videos. And not always like super well produced videos, but it's doing the same thing because you're showing the product from different angles and in a real environment. So. Another thing is that one of the most common behaviors I see on Chinese e-commerce websites were apps where you have normal product photos, you know, those normal beautiful ones, let's say you're buying a new keyboard because you're working from home, right, then you have this nice photoshopped photo the most common behavior is to immediately scroll down to the comments as you do on Amazon and people have uploaded photos of the packaging when they receive the thing for reals and it's in front of their computer in real life and you know so people can see estimate the size of it or or how it looks or or you know how high it is and and how it's placed etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh and that's a very common behavior actually. That's why people want to go into the store to feel and see something before they buy it. And and this is actually, you know, replicating that enough for many, many users.
3: Mm, yeah. I, I definitely think that even if you can't do live streaming or live shopping, then just having video at least on your website is going to, to help a lot. And giving users the option to upload videos of their products is going to... And it's, it's not, I mean, there's not that big, big of a difference from a user perspective, whether you have mm-hmm. to snap a, a picture or if you do a small video of the item, right? For, from a user perspective, that, that is technically the same, right? Um, but it's about how hard is it for them to then upload a video. Do they have to jump through loops and upload to another another platform and then link to it from from your platform, or can they just directly in in your app or on your website upload a, a, a video? And so there's a huge difference there at least. Um, but but yeah, I think um, I think this is super interesting. Uh, so there's we have covered we've covered live streaming, we've covered uh, live shopping, which is is kind of the same, um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> With small small differences and then a video as well uh, in order to sell and um, I'm sure there's a ton of other learnings but we we're trying to keep <laughs> we're trying to keeping these episodes um, under an hour at least uh, so mm-hmm. with that in mind I, I think I want to wrap it up uh, with kind of like a short summary and um, what do you think marketplaces should do right now if they want to go and, and implement where should they start and what is important and why would it be effective for them?
0: No, I, I think, you know, it depends on marketplace, depends on product category, depends on a bunch of these things. But I think um overall uh when it comes to marketplaces, there is um <clears throat> sorry, I think overall when it comes to marketplaces, uh it's very easy to be afraid to showcase the real faces behind. Because one of the functions for marketplaces traditionally have been to brush up the shitty work of your <laughs> users trying to sell something. They don't snap enough good enough photos. They write a really bad text and they, for no one's spies. Etc. etc. So it's like that's kind of part of the DNA. But I think in this new generation we're seeing and um, where everyone is used to this kind of super Photoshop stuff. I think you know, whenever it is video or live streaming or whatever it could be around that segment, uh, when you're showcasing someone real or a real product, the only thing it essentially does is that it builds trust. Yeah. And building trust means you shorten the 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 time of conversion so hopefully you know it should deliver slightly better results but the key thing is that and Then the question comes, you know, in which categories do we need to build trust? So that's one part, right? And then the second part is the discovery phase, which is that we should see many of these activities as increasing the cake. So it's not making sure the people that already go in and search for a certain product on your marketplace, uh, I mean, they are already there searching. So the question is, is live streaming or video maybe a way for them to actually be interested in something else they would never have thought about. And how do you do that? Is it by you hiring your own hosts, doing live shopping shows and you talk about a bunch of different segments just to inspire people? You You don't need to show off everything that's available on your marketplace, but just to inspire people and build trust in that category. Just because I'm used to buying cars through your marketplace doesn't mean I'm used to buy old furniture through your marketplace Mm. and maybe i have a bad feeling about it because maybe it's gonna smell or or you know your dog has been chewing on 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 the you know on on the furniture or whatnot right so and it's not necessarily you should show off the exact furniture you think they're going to buy, but it's about showing off the quality or the trust or, or you know, how certain things work. I think, I think that's the way you should really think about it. And, and the key investments should go into the segment of increasing your volume, uh, increasing your traffic, because I think one key thing that a lot of e-commerce uh, players usually worry about and think about very much is that, sure, I'm happy that you like me. I'm happy that you buy stuff from me, let's say, once a month. But what do I need to do in order for you to buy stuff from me twice or three times a month? And, and that is definitely not going to be the product you always buy once a month. It's probably going to be a totally different category. And But in those segments, it's much harder to convince you to buy something and how do i change that behavior and that's what i mean with increasing the size of the cake so to say
3: yeah no that makes complete sense and then at the same time you also have to implement it in a way so that my dad and you can still find things without having to go through a whole live shopping experience because then you would probably go to amazon instead right
0: yeah and i would actually also like for for all the companies that already are at a substantial size, and you feel you know you've reached uh, okay penetration in target group X, Y, Z. I would just want to go back to mobile, how mobile changed everything for everyone. I mean, you thought you were awesome, you thought you were huge by desktop and then mobile came and you're like, oh, whatever, I'll do that later. Some other startup came, did that and beat your ass and killed you. Like that's literally happened to so many. And this whole live streaming, live shopping, short video segments, it's going to have the exact same effect. So. If you don't do it for proactive reasons just do it for for for, for defensive reasons
3: for survival yeah <laughs> yeah so um i think this is a good way to uh to to kind of round off the the podcast Um, but i'm sure there's a lot of people who have listened to this who would be interested in, in learning more and potentially people who are either interested in, in, in just learning more about trends from china and um, but also who may be interested in moving into China uh, who would be interested in getting in touch with you uh, so how can they do that if they want to
0: uh, so they can do that via LinkedIn I'm available there uh, just search for my name um, Twitter the same thing but I think LinkedIn is usually easier if you just actually want to get in touch
3: yeah so Tom Xiong X-I-O-N-G on uh, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Um,
0: exactly
3: and uh, if nothing else check out uh, check out his uh, his podcast digital uh, dragon if you speak swedish uh, mm. or digitally china if you don't <laughs> mm. <laughs> they, i think they can find them on on all available uh, podcast uh, services right
0: yes exactly yes. spotify acast apple podcast etc
3: Great. And if you have any ideas or requests for future podcast episodes, you can contact me, secret.soyden at besedo.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Uh, and uh, probably on Twitter, Um, (laughs) if I I see it. I don't utilize Twitter that much, to be honest, probably should. but yes, thank you so much, Tom, for joining us. It was absolutely fantastic. And I wish we had three hours to sit on live shop <laughs> marketplace <laughs> updates. Um, but, um, but I think we'll have to, uh, to cut it short here. We're going to have new episodes on a regular basis. So keep uh, checking back. And until next time,
0: bye-bye. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to Marketplace Insights, the podcast that brings you bite-sized marketplace news, trends, and tips. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast service of choice and share it on social media. To catch all the latest insights from Besetto, follow us at Twitter at Besetto Official or find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until next time, keep growing with trust.